Hi, welcome to What's On Your Mind. I am Peter and today I give you Derek Tate. He's a man who grew up in Ireland and at a very young age he discovered his passion for the mountains and for skiing. And now he lives in France and he's a professional ski instructor. Now when he turned 50 he was looking for answers. And what did he do? He studied a major in positive psychology. As a result of that he was so passionate that he has written a book about flow and how to get into flow. At this moment, as we speak, he is writing his second book, which is a handbook for coaches to help their coaches to get into that flow state. It's a very inspiring conversation with an inspiring man. Here comes Derek. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Welcome to What's On Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week a guest talks about his or her story, and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. Hi, Derek. Hello, Peter. Really nice to be here. Nice to meet you. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to meet, uh, finally. Yeah, I have a very easy question to start with. How are you doing? How am I doing? Okay. Um, well, I suppose life is challenging at the moment, uh, because normally at this time of year, I would be working as a ski instructor. Um, and obviously all the ski resorts here in France are closed. Um, and we have no, no clients anyway, even if the ski resorts open in the next while, we still probably won't have any clients because we rely on people coming from the UK. Um, but it, I don't think it's looking like the resorts will open. So it's life is very different at the moment. And um, gives me time for other things. <laughs> so this means that, I mean, apart from the financial thing, uh, mm. the most uh, challenging thing right now is that you're also not uh, able to ski? Or uh, we're we're able to get out at the moment and to to ski tour so we can we can walk uphill and uh, then then ski uh, so it's good for exercise uh, so that there's been plenty of people out ski touring um, and people can go nordic skiing as well and get out in snowshoes and so so people can access the mountains and it, it was very busy here over the christmas new year holidays um, but it's actually quite nice to see the place get quieter now um, but yeah, so we, we can still get out and exercise. It's not like it was when we were in full lockdown um, earlier in December. Um, but, you know, that may change. Depends how things go, I guess. Okay. Now, um, I have uh, read your book. It's called Flow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Learn, learn Enjoy, Flow and Grow. Is the, okay, is the that's the, big, the, the long title. Now, yeah. the your story is a very interesting one. You start with the fact that you are... Um, your environment, you want to become a ski instructor, but they told you that's not a real job. Eh? Yeah, well, I suppose when I when I started out, it was the, you know, it was the 1980s when I thought about becoming a ski instructor, which, um, and I also, I'm from Dublin uh, in Ireland, so skiing is not a, a big sport there. So to become a ski instructor in the 1980s was, was probably a little bit hard for some people to understand. Um, you know, certainly within school and, you know, even within family, you know, it was, it was an unusual job choice, shall we say. And, 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 and where did you get that? How did you discover that passion for the mountains and for skiing? 
Uh, well, because I went on a school holiday, um, yeah. so so when I was getting towards the last couple of years of school, I got the opportunity to go on a holiday to Bulgaria. Um, yeah, and, and just loved it. I, I skied on the artificial slope in Dublin as well. Yeah. Uh, so so that's how I, I started out. But I'd always loved sport generally. So anything outside sporting, um, but also being in the mountains generally. So yeah, because th that's in the book you're mentioning it. Eh? That's really your passion. Eh? It's the mountains. Eh? It's not the skiing per se, but it's really the mountains, which is your preferred um, environment, if I can call it like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, getting out in the mountains into nature, just just um, yeah, just enjoying the the countryside, uh, whatever the activity. It doesn't. Uh, skiing obviously is is an exciting activity, but you know it could be mountain biking or just hill walking. I think and as I've got older, I can appreciate the more uh, maybe less uh, you know active sports or or the less thrilling sports, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, for the kick. Yeah, but there was no such a thing as your brothers or sisters or your mother or your father. That's, I mean, it's not like you grow into grew into an environment where um yeah you, you saw that from somebody else no it, which, which yeah was was quite strange in a way because um well, i suppose my mother's from a farming background so i suppose the outdoor life yes certainly um okay they, they would enjoy that but they weren't particularly sporting um, well it isn't it isn't that you have been replaced by a, when you're a baby or something from the milkman or something that uh no no i don't think so no. <laughs> although and you know I've, I've found actually interesting my brother although he's not not into sport in the same way as i am and in in his later life he's he's become a psychotherapist so um you know, we, we found the sort of psychology side of things was something we had in common and neither of us knew that. So, yeah. so, so that, that was quite interesting. Now, then you, yeah, you are right now a ski instructor professionally. Yes. Where, where, where did you get the fascination to, to study uh, or to do a major in uh, positive psychology and to, to have a focus on flow? Where, where, where did you get that? Was it by skiing that you were in that kind of mental state that you forgot time, um, that sense of, uh, how do you call it, uh, space, and that you really went into the, the activity itself? Where, where did you get that fascination? Because it's a, at first sight, it looks like a very strange combination. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think from, yeah, skiing is certainly an activity that lends itself to flow. Of course. Um, it, it, it's definitely a flow activity, but... I don't think over the years of skiing that I, I realized that flow was what I was experiencing. Yeah. It wasn't something I'd come across. So I had done back in, in the early nineties, I did a, a sports coaching postgraduate course, which was had sports psychology in it. So I, I really liked the sports psychology side of things that was, was quite fascinating, I suppose, but I, I hadn't come across flow. Um, so that, that only happened when I, when I turned 50 and decided I needed to look at other things. Um, and that's when I sort of started looking at courses I might do or, and I came across positive psychology and thought, yeah, that sounds really interesting. You know, maybe it's a, a time of life thing where you, you know, you need to look at other avenues and what you might do. Um, and 
you know, it had the psychology, but it also been positive psychology and getting older, you can't, you start thinking of, you know, meaning and purpose in life a little yeah. bit more. So, so that yeah. I kind of related to it in that yeah. way. Because positive psychology is rather young eh? and seen in the, compared with all the other mm. uh, uh, forms of psychology, it's rather young. Um, yes, it, it's, yeah, I suppose it's around about 2000 that uh, Mihai and Martin Seligman um, if you like formalized, if you want to call it a field of psychology or a subfield, but it, it's had its roots in humanistic psychology. So it's, yeah. it's not very dissimilar to that. It, it, I think the big difference with positive psychology is it's much more research and evidence-based, whereas humanistic psychology, you know, had less of that. So that was the criticism mm -hmm. of, of the kind of Maslow Rogers sort of time. Mm -hmm. of psychology but it, it there's very much similar parallels in terms of looking at the you know well-being and and what's right with people as opposed to what's wrong with people and trying to make the best of life oh now you're giving me inspiration for a question um before going to go deeper into flow because mm. i know i know the phenomenon I've, i'm a musician also so i, I have been right that's what that's also why i love flow even this kind of conversation can bring me into flow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you if you look at Maslow, uh, you know, of course, his pyramids. I mean, the, the highest level is the, is the level of the self-actualization, eh? right? Sure. Eh? Yeah. Now, I mean, can you experience flow when you are in a lower uh, stage of Maslow? Or it, is, is it, does these two has nothing to do with each other? You understand? Can you can you experience flow when you in, in when you are experiencing a life where yeah you're hungry, you don't have any food, you don't have any uh, roof above your head? Can you then experience flow? I, probably not, because you know some of the dimensions of flow require you to be well. One of the key dimensions is that you're totally focused on the task that you're engaged in. So if you're thinking about the fact that you're hungry or you're tired or you're worried about something then then that's going to get in the way of you going into a flow state so yeah I'd, I'd, i would say you need to have all these kind of basic needs met yeah. in order to enter a flow state i would certainly say there's a correlation there okay now um i've known the flow through um another writer jan bomery and he has written a book about flow but he, he looks at more from a, a kind of purpose uh, uh, point of view where he actually states, and it's, it's, uh, he, he based his book amongst others on um, the, the lecture of uh, Csikszentmihalyi, is that uh, every human being, which his natural state is actually the flow state. And that the, the human being that by conditioning society, parents, uh, schools, mm. etc., etc., we are limiting ourselves with beliefs that are limiting ourselves, and that we actually, yeah, cannot experience, yeah, flow a lot. There are exceptions: musicians, sports people, etc., etc., because they are, yeah, dancers, for instance, for instance, yeah. um, and. Uh, what for you is now flow for the people who don't know actually how can you describe flow what is your definition of it 
Um, yeah, I suppose that there's, yeah, so there's quite a few definitions. I suppose for me, it's, it is just that total, total immersion in what you're doing. You know, so if I have a flow experience, the, the sort of transformation of time element, I think is quite a, mm-hmm. an important one, you know, and it can work in two different ways. It, it's sort of two ways it can work is time can pass very quickly if you're really enjoying mm-hmm. something. And I found that more, I found it actually through, through doing the university course itself when I was writing, um, you know, so, some of my assignments there would be periods of time where you definitely weren't in flow but when you actually got into it and and you really immersed yourself in in something started to ride started to to work with the assignment you know time would, would vanish so so that was certainly a flow experience um, but from a sporting point of view from a skiing point of view i'd say my flow movements are more where time would actually slow down and i feel like i have all the time in the world to to kind of execute the movements you know so it's, it's almost like you're in slow motion but you're not no um so i think they're the two ways time can transform and i think when you have that experience it's it's quite a it's a really you know pleasurable experience can you also experience flow with other people at the same time yeah no definitely i i would also say i've, I've experienced flow when i'm teaching you know when i'm teaching other people to ski um, you know, if, if you're having a really good session where you're communicating well and you're, you're very much in the moment of that lesson and you're, you're you know, and I, I suppose that would go for any coaching type situation if you're truly able to be with the other person and, and listen to them and understand them, then you're, you're, you're very much in the present moment. So it's, you know, obviously flow has a lot of similarities to, to mindfulness and you know, meditation where you're you're spending time in the moment, the present moment focused. So, well, it's that's again that's that conditioning. Eh? It's it's that that being in the here and now hmm. brings you, yeah, to make sure that your yeah. fo- that your focus is really on the thing that you are doing, and you're not yeah. thinking about tomorrow or yesterday or the dishes or the food or the work or whatever. You're just going to. I ex- to, to, I'm a musician now for I think more than 30 years and okay. the I can honestly say the day and it sounds a little bit sp- I wouldn't say spiritual but the day that I decided to play to no longer play with my head and to surrender me to the to the moment itself and not to think anymore is that the moment I, I step, I can feel that I'm stepping into a flow experience with the rest of the band connecting with the audience. And I no longer had to think about the chords or the music that I had to play. The moment I started thinking again, <laughs> then I knew I was going to make errors or something, but it's, it's, it's like being carried or something, that, yeah. that experience. And it's, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I've learned it through a book from 1974 or in 1980. I don't know who it was. Um, and it was the first book like um, something, The Art of Playing Tennis. And then later on, there is The, the Art of Playing Music. You know that the, the book? Oh, is it, um, you're thinking Timothy Galway? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, his his books on. And of uh, course, yeah. he doesn't call it flow, but no, no, no. It, it teaches how to it it like in music. You need to focus on, for instance, on the, the drummer the inner, on the stick. The inner game. Yeah, the inner game. The inner, the inner game. game. That's it. Yeah, tennis or skiing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's very 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 similar. It it is. I think the way I describe it is, you know, the important element is being in the here and now, and as you said, being. Uh, you know, whereas something like mindfulness or meditation, it's being in a very passive way. Yeah. You know, flow requires you to be challenged. Yeah. You know, so you're challenging your skills. So, you you know, if you're playing a musical instrument or or I'm skiing, I'm I'm performing at a high level. So flow tends to happen more for people who are quite skillful. Yeah. In whatever that activity is. But that's that's the question I have, eh? and it's also something that you you write about your book is that um, how? Well, first of all, I have another question: Do you, do you tune yourself into something before you're going to ski, or you just go and it immediately comes? Do you have some kind of practice before you say, okay, I'm going to uh, uh, teach somebody how to ski? You say, okay, um, I don't know. Uh, you, you, you have some kind of routine or something and then you know okay i'm here i'm right now i'm not thinking about tomorrow no i'm here right now and now i'm going to teach uh that person um so you think you're talking about me as the as instructor the person as teaching. instructor and yeah this instructor yeah. yes um i suppose like any job though once you've done it for a long time you you know in the same way as learning you know a, a physical movement pattern you become very confident at it you mm -hmm. become very comfortable so it's not a it's not like you really have to think about how i'm going to do it you, you obviously find out what information you can about about the the person you're working with prior to the session yeah um and and you meet them and you go through the the usual yeah. sort of introductions the first ride up the lift can be a great time to you know clarify goals for the session and find out more about them as a person yeah. and understand understand them so you can get <laughs> some clues as to kind of learner they might be um but no there's i think that starts to come naturally like anything you've just done it so often so it's yeah. not i don't spend my time worrying about how am i going to deliver this session yeah. you know, I, I certainly have a routine in the morning where i need to go and have a coffee in a, in a cafe before i meet the client <laughs> now the, the 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 thing that i also um well, first of all I mean, I'm going I'm going to go a little lower in terms of levels. I mean, mm -hmm. flow it starts from passion. What 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 are you good at? What 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 are the things that you are? I wouldn't say talented for, because I think talent and and being good at something. I mean, I say from myself. People say to me, "You're a very talented guitar player," and I say mm -hmm. to myself, "No, I have a little bit talent, but I have a, a lots of discipline." And I've practiced yeah. a lot, and yeah. that makes me a great guitar player. I I see other people and think they are really talented because the time they take to to acclimate uh, how to learn absorb things they go that much faster than I did. Yeah, yeah sure. But first of all, I mean, in order to get get into flow, um, how do you how how do you discover then? Yeah, where are the things that you can get into flow? Yeah, I think oh, I think that takes time, and I think people need to be given the opportunity to to find out what interests them. 
you know, and I think that's where, you know, so, some some kids are lucky that with parents to allow them to try lots of different things until they find the things that they really enjoy. So experimenting yeah. is the way to go. Yeah, ex experimenting. Yeah. So, you know, and trying lots of different activities, you know, if we're, whether it's musical instruments or sport or whatever it happens to be, you know, it's, it's, it's and the same, the same really goes for work. You know, when we get into work, are you pushed into a particular profession or are you allowed to choose the things you want to do? And I guess that's where I was, I was lucky that my parents didn't stop me pursuing a career as a ski instructor. You know, they, they, you know, I might've got frowned on by the more extended family, but my own immediate family were very supportive, which was, was great because it was such an unusual thing to do. So, so I was allowed to pursue, a, you know, what became a passion. Um, and I think that's what people need to do. They need to find out what are they good at? Where are their strengths? Because if you're using your strengths, you're going to have much more chance of then um, finding that enjoyment. And if you get the enjoyment, then then flow is much more likely to occur. I fully agree. At the same time, I mean, I don't know if I remember it, but I knew from very young age, I wanted to play guitar. Don't ask, don't ask me why. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like the first year that I yeah, was learning how to play the instrument that I was in flow because the, it's, a, it's a quite high learning curve in order to produce some kind of sound, especially when you're looking at the die straights because I'm also uh, raised in, in, the, in the 80s and I saw Brian Adams and things like that. And I saw Mark Knopfler and you're like, I want to play like that. I mean, it takes some time to get there. So what, what is like the crossing point of Yeah, you mentioned also in your book the 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. How much practice do you need to do in order to get to that level? I'm going to explain it otherwise. This podcast, it's now you're now the 68th guest, so the, the 68th okay. conversation. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it comes very naturally. The first one, two, three, four, five, I don't know, I, I can't exactly remember. That was for me quite hard, hard work because I didn't know what to do. I need to be prepared, et cetera, et cetera. But now the question is because I tune in and I go into flow and I can explain how I do it, but it comes naturally. Of course, I mean, I've read your book and I, I know in my head the things I want to ask, but I don't need that, that much preparation anymore. So my question is, yeah, for me, it's, it's like, where is that kind of tipping point that you're starting to embrace or to taste that that kind of flow yeah it's, well i suppose it's difficult because you do need to practice you know enough to get good at something so it's, it's, what what is it's, enough what is enough what is enough yeah because that 10,000 hour rule is, is sort of quite misunderstood it's, it's taken out of context quite often as well it's it's you have to practice in the right way it's not enough just to practice any any in any sort of fashion it has to be with with purpose or as Ericsson would have talked about deliberate practice if you're going to get really good so you know you have to be prepared to put in some of the the hours and it won't always be enjoyable you know it, 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 it so I don't think it, it would be wrong to say that you will always enjoy everything you do because life's not like that so it, if you truly like something then you know it's going to take some hard work as well to, to get there you know so yeah if, if e I could, even in skiing for me i wouldn't yeah. say i enjoyed every aspect of it but i've 
I was prepared to go to my local artificial slope and go there five, six days a week and practice um, because I knew the goal was to, to, to get better when I got out onto the mountains and to the real skiing, but I was prepared to put the work in. So I wouldn't say I was necessarily experiencing flow in those moments. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't think you're not going to get flow all of the time. No, but if you get it, if you get it a few times, you'll want it again. It does become an addictive thing as well. Yes. It's yes. such a nice experience that you, yeah. you want to find it. Yeah, it's like you are no longer feeling your body anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, that's maybe a little, little. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't play a musical instrument, but I, I, I can appreciate music. And, and you talked about there the idea of playing in a band and, and just that that to me would seem like such an, an awesome flow experience when you're playing with another other people and you're all just totally as one and seem yeah. to know what each other are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not having to think about who no. does what. It's just all working. No. The thing although is that what I experience if uh all the people, their egos need to be at the door. Yeah. Because you you have to be willing to surrender yourself to the music to the to the song because you're serving the song if you're serving the song to serve your ego mm -hmm. it's not going to work so it's it's uh yeah it's 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 uh yeah it's it's a, but once you taste it it's it's something magical it's uh but i cannot direct it there are evenings where it goes automatically and there are evenings where we yeah, are it's it it doesn't go yeah i cannot say i'm going to go in flow to, to this evening it's it's not going to go like that but in, yeah. going back to about the practice i mean it's like setting an intention and saying okay i'm now going to practice this piece of this part and so on and i know i'm not in flow because i'm learning and yeah. then when the performance comes then you are letting go of the expectation and then are you letting go of all the theory and all the practice? You're letting everything go and you surrender. And it's like, for me, pushing a kind of a button, which I don't have in, for instance, a rehearsal. Hmm. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I suppose the way I've looked at it, again, I, I always come back to the sporting angle, yeah, which is, is what I know most, but I, I think it's also where your attention is directed. Yeah. Um, because when you're learning something, your attention is very directed at, you know, how, how I move my body in certain ways to, to create a certain movement pattern. So I have, I have to think consciously through how, how I make those movements. Well, when I get better, I don't need to think about those movements. So my attention can then focus in, in a skiing sense. I can focus more on the environment that I'm skiing in. You know, so, so typically the beginner skier is so focused on learning to make the movements that they need to make yeah. that they have no awareness of what's going yeah. on around them. Yeah. So they, they can't see other people on the slope. Uh, you know, they're more likely to, you know, if you weren't there with them, they might, you know, crash into something or somebody because their awareness is yeah. very inward on yeah. just how, how do yeah. they, they actually manage the, the skill. When, once that becomes more automated, then you can change your focus yeah. attention, you know, to a more outward focus. Yeah. Um, which is is generally 
less busy in the mind so that the attention yeah. becomes more effortless and then yeah. and you can kind of just focus on that and let the the movements themselves yeah. you know just happen and i guess the same would be in the, when you're playing music you're not having to think how you play yeah. the different chords it, it goes for, it, it goes further than that i mean yeah when you're playing alone so the uh, when you when you cannot play so you're indeed say uh, you're playing my right hand my left hand the where are the fingers things like that so you're really internally like you mentioned in your book eh? mm. but if you have done it so many times for me i'm standing on the stage i mean i don't have to look to my fingers i hear everything that's being played so i can say that note of the bass player that's wrong nobody will know that but i will know that immediately and i will just look like this and they will know what i'm what i'm saying um uh so i hear every beat every accent of the drummer but it's because my attention attention is going everywhere i can connect with the, yeah. with the audience because yeah i always say i mean you have to study master your songs for 200 300% so when you're on a gig you can give like 100 120% and you have a lot and all the rest mm. is, is 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 attention that you can use externally because it's crucial because it's indeed in that external connection yeah. that you can that you can go into all together in some uh flow state yeah and and as you say particularly if you're playing with others um you know it, it's the same when i worked with the you know for my research study i worked with skiers who were skiing in a demonstration you know ski team so they're skiing together on the mountain in in formation so they have to know where each other are and and what, exactly what the the movements are that you know the routine that they have to perform so so that that external awareness is crucial you know they can't be thinking about how they're they're doing the activity itself um you know and, and i think with a lot of sporting people when they're so focused on that they just are totally zoned into what they need to focus on and, and they block out everything else you know they may be aware of the crowd if they want to be aware of the crowd but otherwise they may just block that out and just just focus on the performance because you know, some some athletes will use the audience or the crowd as, as you know but other times they'll just completely block it away yeah um, the does every peak performance in sports can you say that these top athletes when they're doing such peak performance, are they automatically in flow? Is flow the only way to get to peak performance? No, I, I don't, not, not from the research I've looked at. Um, that, you know, the, the suggestion is you could reach peak performance through, uh, you know, more, a, a more effortful state. Uh, as, a, as a researcher called Christian Swans looked at the state he calls clutch state, mm -hmm. which is, he calls it, you would actually end up being more exhausted after it yep. um, because you're having to put a lot of effort into reaching that peak performance where in a flow state it's it, it, it's a different it's a it's a nicer experience of peak performance but but i think people sometimes wrongly say that flow and peak performance are the same thing they're not um but flow is often seen as a gateway to peak performance no you know, so it can, it can open up that opportunity. But the, just to say that flow and peak performance always happen together is, is, is not really correct. Mm -hmm. um, but quite often, I would say that when you are in flow, you're definitely performing either very well or potentially at your best.
So, it, so it's, it's a desirable state for many reasons. So because you're performing well, obviously, is one of them, but it's also because it's a it's a pleasant experience. Um, you know, and it, it can lead to other other benefits as well, because you're you're not worrying about, as you say, you're in the moment, you're not worried about what others are thinking um, and you're allowing yourself to be. So, you know, it, it has a lot of potential mental health benefits as well, which, which recent research seems to have suggested from from lockdowns with COVID and uh, that people who can find flow are sort of better able to handle that situation than, than those that, that don't. So, you know, I think flow, there's much more to flow than just peak performance, I would say. If, yeah. If one outcome. I mean, we're talking now about music and sports, but um, I can assure you that in my, my uh, professional career, I also experience flow. And it really depends on the people, the, the environment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as I have heard about the study, and I don't know if it's true or not, that um, when a team or people are in flow states and they're working in flow, that they are, what is it, 500% more productive than somebody who is not in a flow state. So this means that you would only have to work one day in a, in a week. You're right. Know? Yeah, but... But I believe that because yeah, people yeah. In, in a flow state, they're at the top of their creativity. They can connect with customers. Yeah, so in, in, a, in a very good way and, and customers are actually being driven into that flow process. Co-creation, which is for me like the, 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 the group name of people in a flow state. And of course, not a lot of people are going to call it our now in a flow state, but yeah. I'm quite convinced that uh, that that it's not only applicable for sports or music or dance or or more of the sports slash artistic um, things because people a lot uh, or dancing uh, uh, associate that with flow, but it's it's for me more than that. No, you're you're right. It's an area that is now being researched a lot more is is within the work environment in the team. Team flow is, has become a, a term that's that's been used. Um, so there are some specific researchers out there looking at team flow. Um, it's not not an area that you know I've looked at particularly, but it's it's quite interesting. Um, I think you're absolutely right that you know people working together like that are going to be more productive. Um, you know, sounds good if it's five hundred percent more productive, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's that's definitely the case. As, as an American chap called Aaron Davis is is starting to do quite a lot of work on on the team flow. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting area. Quite as you say, whether you call it flow or not doesn't really matter. It's it's the fact that people are are able to work together, um, as you said, co-create. I think what you said earlier as well, it, it requires people um, to kind of manage their ego in the right way as well leave it leave <laughs> your ego at the door yeah as, as as you said yeah it's and it's exactly the same whether in sport it's a team sport or a music you know if, if people are trying to to kind of show off or or that's it you know and and it's the same i've coming up through the the skiing world you know i can remember that as becoming a ski instructor it's quite a it's got quite an image to it as a job, you know, in, in terms of you being 
you, you can sort of be in front of your clients and think, well, look at me, I'm wonderful. I'm a ski instructor. I ski so well. You have the nicest ghost also. So right. it's, it's, like a ten, it's like a tennis instructor. It's the same, man. Yeah. So it has you've, that got image. Get, you've got to get away from that, you know, and sort of move, move beyond that sort of and, and be there for, for the, the customer, not for, you know, for, for showing off or showing what you can do. Um, but, but I guess that's the same in, in many areas of life. Of course, I, I mean, you're, you're now over 50 or 50? Uh, I'm 54 now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, 50 when I came, went on to the master's course. Yeah. So, yeah. But obviously, obviously, a midlife crisis. You know, to... Yeah. But flow keeps you young, eh, Derek? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no it helps. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. Now, the, the, I mean, did I hear it well that writing also that you discovered during studying positive psychology and mm. writing this book that is also uh, something that you that you go into flow? Yeah, no, de definitely. Um, and I, I have certainly experienced that quite a bit writing the book. Um, and I think it's one of the things that really helped me through the lockdowns that we had was, was having that focus. Um, and I, there was no real deadline there either because it wasn't like I had to get it written and uh, it was definitely being done because I, it was something I wanted to do, which is another uh, almost requirement of, of flow is that you're more intrinsically motivated yeah. to do it. Um, so, so I would say that, yeah, I was more intrinsically than extrinsically motivated. You know, I might be thinking about longer term, it'd be nice to sell a few books, but it's, it was definitely more I wanted to, I just, something I was enjoying doing and I was enjoying trying to pull together all that information I'd learned on the master's course and, and sort of put it down in my words and, you know, pull together all the research and, and, and get what, it into a, what was into a for, book. What was that for you, the, the drive behind the book? Really that to make a kind of a summary of, of the three years master? Not, not just the master's, but because the master's had connected me so much to other areas of my life that I'd never really connected together, you know, so, you know, I think the master's helped me think about, well, what is my purpose? What is, is the meaning in life for me? You know, I'd never really thought about it. I never really considered the why I enjoyed being in the mountains or why certain sports had taken me in, in a certain direction. And yeah, so it, it, it kind of helped to pull everything together. And why is that? What's your why? Why? purpose? Um, why do I have that purpose? Or you know, what's your purpose? Because I, I, oh, I find it an interesting one. Yeah, I think I feel my purpose now is to has become to to share with others, you know, my passion for the for the mountains and and obviously now flow. But but I didn't know what flow was before. I didn't realize that that was what I was experiencing when I was out enjoying different activities outside so so yeah i want and i guess my passion is become that or my purpose because and that i want to share that with other people that's that's a very interesting one i mean it's like giving back it's like you have a talent and in the maybe in the younger years you use that talent for your own good eh? collect money and the status and things like that and it's, it's nothing wrong with that but that later on maybe you find happiness in giving you enjoy like giving, sharing that knowledge. Oh yeah, I mean, for teaching skiing is very much like that because you are, 
you, the joy comes from the, the enjoyment that people get from, from the experience. And you soon realize that people are, they don't just come skiing because of the sport itself. They come skiing because they enjoy getting away from maybe the city life and getting, getting to a completely different environment. And then they, their eyes are open to just how beautiful the environment is that they're in. Um, you know, so I, it's not uncommon to, to, for me to stop a, you know, a guest in the mountains and just say, just have a look at the view. And you're able to point out different mountains and tell them what they are and uh, just, just get them to enjoy the, where they are. Uh, the, 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 the funny thing, Derek, is that I hate skiing. I really do right, hate okay. it. I I I I had a an, an, uh, phobia for skiing like uh, ten years ago. I went when I was in France with with colleagues, and I was in an, a green uh, how do you call that piste? Yeah, and, green, uh, green run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, uh, and 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 suddenly I was at the red one, and I was so afraid of going down that uh, yeah. I, I, I immediately blocked there. And, um, but when I hear you talking, I immediately I'm like, shit, I want to follow classes, courses with you because uh, you, you tell it with such, yeah, aligned passion. If it's, 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 it's really something in your energy that I'm like, oh, I'm going to call my wife. I call, she's downstairs. And uh, because she <laughs> wants to, she wants to uh, learn our son of uh, three and a half to teach she wants to give them an experience yeah. whereas i'm like i I'm, I'm i'm not afraid of the cold because i like uh, yeah. the cold and ice cold showers i'm all into that but the skiing i'm like i'm i'm afraid but if i hear you talking i'm it your 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 passion is quite contagious but if you had children as well learning that would probably change your perception you yeah know, if you, you saw your children learning and enjoying the sport um, but you know, I'd also say then you don't you don't have to you don't have to ski to enjoy the mountains and enjoy winter in the no, mountains. No, no, I know. You know but but I'm I'm jealous of these colleagues. They were going from mountain to mountain, yeah. having a drink, going to black uh, runs, and and I could not, yeah, enjoy that scenery. I was I wasn't I wasn't say I was not jealous, but I envy them. as like, yeah, sure. I mean, of course it's beautiful because the the, the time they took. To go from mountain to my mountain was was much smaller than, than than for me. So yeah, the stupidest thing that maybe I've then learned is that I took lessons again on the last day because I thought I could ski because I I did it before. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that that's an interesting one. That's an interesting. Now I, come... yeah, I, I've had I've had um, clients over the years who you know started out they didn't like the sport at all. But you know, for be, they wanted to do it because their their partner did it or their kids did it, um, so they stuck with it. And you just spend that time with them, and you you take a sort of a gentle approach to it. And you know, yeah, years yeah, later, they love it. Yeah, you know, that's true. It can take time, but you know, if you have other reasons for for wanting to do it as well, perhaps they are external reasons. But then eventually, it can become, you know, that you enjoy it more intrinsically for you, you know. That have your own motivations for it. That's it. The intrinsic motivation. That's nothing more than purpose for me. Like it's a part of. It's. It's. Uh, I even have it with my job, and you have to be willing to. I would say, be so fueled by that by that internal fire in order to 
be or do something. Um, and uh, I, because I mentioned it, it today, we were having a management meeting and I said, look, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm here to bring out the best version of these younger people, like 24 and 25. And I'm willing to risk everything professionally to do that. So if you're going to say you cannot do that anymore, you should focus it. I say, fuck off. And uh, that's, that's, that's my purpose. And that's for me really that inner burning thing instead of just doing a job. Yeah. But I cannot explain where it comes from. No. Because, because I'm 45. Yeah. When I was 30, I wasn't like that. I wasn't like that. I, no, was, no, don't. I was more externally motivated, the money, the status, the blah, blah, blah. But it didn't, it didn't make me happy. No. Well, I, and I suppose I've, if I reflect as well, I wouldn't say I, I always loved the sport and I loved where I was with the sport. But, but you know, I would, we certainly went through periods of life where it was about the external things as well. Definitely comes with age that you start to your, your things change in terms of your outlook, and uh, there's no doubt that your purpose purpose takes time. I think to to evolve. If, I don't know if I, I suppose guess some people maybe find their purpose earlier than others, but in my case, I'd say it's it's taken more. You know, as I get into fifties, I definitely have more of a an understanding of what I feel my purpose is at this point. Um, Isn't it because it is not because you have found your purpose that you reach the destination. It's just a purpose. You have to still be and do something. Oh yeah. And, no, no, I don't, I and it's not fixed. No, it's not, it's not a destination. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's an ongoing journey. Um, and that's the fun part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I said in my book anyway, you know, some of the the milestones that I achieved along the way when, when I actually did that in terms of qualifications, that, that yeah, they were actually quite flat and quite disappointing. Yeah. So so the you know, the real joy was in in striving to get there. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's that's what most a lot of people just miss that. They're, they're so worried about achieving the goal that that they don't enjoy. enjoy uh, this is Derek for me. Now, the biggest, one of the biggest lessons that I learned in life is that it's not about the goal. The enjoyment lies in the striving too. I had it professionally. I had it in, in on the music. I mean, I remember when I was 30, I were going to play a very big festival in, uh, in Belgium. And uh, I, I was really an asshole. I really was... The magician, it was not good enough again, again, and again. So when we did that performance, I didn't enjoy it. I was like, is this it now? I mean, I've longed right. for it. I'm looking forward to it. I thought I was going to shine gold out of my body, something miraculous. Right. But nothing. I was just the same person. Yeah. With the same things that I thought about myself. And I was like... This is not it. But the day I said, look, guys, it's not about the goal. We're running a marathon here. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Of course, it needs to be good. Eh? I mean, but we are going to enjoy ourselves in rehearsals and make things fun. And we have time. 
and, we, and whatever will happen if we make errors or not we don't have to play uh, even then if we would even participate for the eurovision contests i mean we're not going to get any points external points here it's about the internal points the sure. enjoy and so when i when i change that mindset that that i mean everything or even professionally i mean look look when you were in sales yeah i get the target i get the objective no it's about the process just enjoy sometimes you win sometimes you learn and it's and that makes every day fun and it makes that's that's and it sounds like you just said it sounds really i would say yeah but it's normal no it's not because it's a very big big uh change in in viewing the things in mindsets that that yeah. would make people much more happier instead of always going for that because you because the thing is is that when you're going for the goal you're actually not in the here and now because the goal is in the future mm, absolutely yeah yeah i think you know even thinking about the university course that when i did the masters it's you know, because I'm doing it at that stage of life where I'm a bit older. Um, most, in fact, the majority of the cohort were of, you know, older age group. It was, if there wasn't very many people just out of, you know, a first degree. So we were probably more of a similar mindset, but I, I wasn't really ever that worried about getting the masters. You know, that, that was kind of nice when it happened, but once I actually went on to that course thinking I was going to do the entire thing from a distance learning point of view because I was out here teaching skiing in the Alps and then I went on the first weekend we had a weekend every month where we came together as a cohort and I enjoyed that weekend so much that I thought I'm going to try and make more of these so I made five of the eight weekends in the first year and the second year I went to all eight and I was flying back every every weekend from here in France back to the UK just for for a two-day weekend but it, it was the such an enjoyable process the you know the the lectures running the course were amazing people the conversations that we got engaged in were so so uh, deep and meaningful that it just enjoyed being there and doing it and it you know it was almost the assignments were fine but it was the, the weekends made that that course um yeah you know that that's that's when I really realized it is the journey that's so important. Um, and, and then you can savor that journey as well because you're actually taking time to notice as, as you were doing it, as opposed to, you know, suddenly thinking, oh, I, I didn't really take time to enjoy that. And it, it's all gone now. Because, because in 10 years, you will remember those weekends, but the day you received your degree, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't as big a thing at all um it's it's nice to get that achievement but I, I i definitely enjoyed that master's process far more than i had some of my ski instructor qualifications back in you know when i was in my 20s and, yeah and, I and I, but then it was so important that i got to this yeah. level because there was so much status around it that i just wanted to to get to that level um but and and i sort of missed some of the journey because of that you know, just didn't really enjoy it at all. Um, That's an interesting one. Certain, certain, certain parts of it, certainly. Yeah, I, I think, 
I'm not think I, I quite sure that when you focus on the enjoyment of the yeah the here and now mm. of the process your chances are higher that you are getting that uh, goal without focusing on it it sounds a little bit contradictory yeah. I, I think you need to have the you need to have the goal there. Of course, of course, you need to have. But it, it, but it also needs to be the goal itself needs to be flexible, and you need to be prepared to to adapt or change it if required. It's it's it's, it's like you you put a goal on a paper and you put it in in a in, in a locker, and you don't yeah. look at it anymore. And then one year later, oh oh oh, I reached the goal or something around that goal. Sure. And just enjoy yeah, what you're doing. For instance, I'm now learning to play the piano. It's quite challenging. And I set myself, okay, I'm going to play 52 songs in a year. Right. Which is uh, a lot. <laughs> because, mm. yeah, you, you start from scratch. And, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a quite steep learning curve. But I'm not attached, fixed to that goal. But I need to set that goal in order to push me forward. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, there is no kind of direction. Yeah, and I, and I think that would be the same with me even writing the book. I needed a goal. I needed something, you know, as we, I think I had the idea of writing the book before lockdown happened. But once lockdown, the first lockdown happened, it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, so there was suddenly a, something there to work towards. Um, so the, lo the lockdown was a gift for you. It, it was, it's, yeah, it was in a way, um, you know. And, and I'm actually writing a follow-up book now. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, you know, it's trying to. It it is giving you something, really, to to focus your attention on, and and to take it away from the, you know, the the endless watching the news, which is so easy to do, and then then you're you're moving into the wrong areas of, of attention, you know, so you need to stay on, on something that's, you know, I mean, watching the news, and watching the news and studying positive psychology. These are really two different extremes eh? because the news is like the yeah. negative psychology. What, what's yeah. the, what's the follow book about? And um, well, it's, it's taking this first one, this, this learn, enjoy, flow and grow as a, as a coaching method and looking at how, um, how really to coach it either to others or, or to yourself. So the, the book's called The Nine Habits of a Flow Coach. Oh. So, so it's getting the idea that, you know, that you can become a, a flow coach or if you're an existing coach, you can, you, you know, by learning more about flow, you can add, add to your skill set as a coach. So it's looking at what the sort of habits, the good habits would be of, you know, to get you to, to help you or, or other people experience flow so within 10 years you're like the stephen coffee of uh of flow <laughs> yeah something like that yeah so we'll, we'll see but um yeah and I, I, I this this book will you know my first book's obviously got a little bit more of a sporting feel to it because i'm a background so i'm trying uh -huh. to to bring this book a little bit more towards the kind of business uh leadership sort of areas as well so. yeah but it's it's um I mean, there are a lot of parallels between top sports and business. 
I mean, uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge in uh, biggest difference is that in top sports, the biggest aspect there is rest. Whereas in business, I mean, we just keep going and yeah, with all the, the, the negative results. So uh, there are a lot of similarities that, that the, the new way of business, yeah, because I really believe that we're, we're entering in a, a more purpose-driven uh, of doing business. I mean, look at all the younger people like 23, 24, 25. I mean, if you don't have any purpose-driven uh, message, uh, purpose-driven activity, which has an, an impact on society, I'm not saying that they will not work for you, but they, they are wired different, differently. I mean, when we were 23, there was no such a thing as the internet. I mean, there was internet, but it was not publicly available, okay? Um, yeah. So, but, but these youngsters with podcasts, YouTube, things like that, they have access to everything. They have access to the bad things for their mind, but they also have sometimes access to, to uh, uh, good, good things. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there, that's an, uh, that's an interesting one. When do you want to publish it? I'm looking at sort of summer, June is the, is the plan. So to, so early summer. Cool. So, so yeah, yeah, it's gonna, going to gonna buy it. get, uh, going get to working buy hard it. on that now over the next while. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy it. Sounds really yeah. cool. Ah. Now, um, if you would go back into time, Derek, with a uh, DeLorean, <laughs> and you would meet the Derek when he was like sixteen or eighteen, what would you tell him? Yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's always a difficult question. I, I, I suppose as a the thing, main thing I would tell you is is to stop worrying. And I think I've, I know myself, I've spent a lot of my life always worrying too much about what's going to happen in the future. And, and I think that that's one of the things that the, being on the positive psychology courses has helped. It's getting, you know, the other area that I've sort of got into is, is just mindfulness and meditation. Um, I, I partly did that because it was something I could see was used in sport a lot. But then the more I've got to learn about it, the more I've thought, yeah, this is this is just such a good thing for stopping you from always worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. Do, do, uh, do you meditate? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, two times, 20 minutes a day? I meditate once every day. Uh -huh. I've been doing that now for, for um, well, probably almost uh, two years consecutively every day. Um, I did I did this sort of meditation and mindfulness teacher training as part of, as a, a sort of separate course, but with, yeah. with one of the lecturers who works on the positive psychology programs. Um, I did that partly because I, I need, wanted that for my research, because I wanted to use mindfulness as, as the intervention for, for training attention skills with the, the idea that that would help people experience flow more readily because there's that kind of uh, correlation between the here and now in mindfulness and in flow um, there's some differences but it, there's certainly commonality there so that I wanted to learn more about that to, to help me with uh, you know getting my intervention together for the research study 
For, for me, there is a, a correlation between I meditate now for three, four years. Yeah. And being in flow easier because it's like you said, that voice in my head, it's still there. Yeah. But it's more silent and it doesn't um, drive my life anymore. I mean, yeah. of course... I'm going to create sometimes scenarios, what is going to happen here or there. I mean, but it's not, I mean, in the past, it was like that this voice was really actually leading my life with all the, the consequences. Uh, I was constantly thinking, overthinking, overanalyzing. Sure. Whereas right now I'm, I'm like, yeah, everything is, is cool right now. Uh, and it's... Uh, I wouldn't say it saved my life. Also, it's, it makes me more creative. It's, I can honestly say that it makes me more, um, it makes me come easier um, into a flow state. So for me, there is definitely an, a positive correlation between those two. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely a link. I mean, certainly my research did find that, but it, there's other research out there that says the same, that, you know, if you can get better at at being in the here and now and, and focusing your attention, then then you're more easily able to access the flow state, you know, when you're doing a challenging activity. So it's it definitely helps. But I think it's it's more than that, you know, for life in general, meditation for me and, and being more mindful generally is it allows you to just pause and make better decisions about things. Yep. You know, because if, if you're constantly worried about things you're more likely to keep reacting to what's happening that's it it's react it's no longer being reacting that's it yeah and i just love that kind of phraseology you know you want to respond to life not react to life yeah um you know that that's for me is the, the, the kind of mantra i'm trying to live by <laughs> yeah the, the meditation for me is uh i don't know who said it but it's like it's it's creating more spaces between the thoughts that you are experiencing. And the fact that there is more space between the thoughts, it makes you to, for instance, when you're in a car and somebody is, is blocking you, yeah, maybe because all the thoughts are very um, rapidly after each other, you immediately are going to react. You're going to yell, shout uh, very uh, uh, stupid names to that person. But when you are meditating for quite a time, you see that the thoughts and then the reaction, that there is a, a pause between, and then you say, am I going to react on, am I going to get angry? No, it's just, no, yeah. no, it's not worth it. I'm not going to waste my energy because it's my yeah. reaction to yeah. it. And it's me feeling that neg negative emotion. Yeah, no, no, I think that's so true. And I, you know, I've noticed that even over the years, something like driving, you just get so much more relaxed about, or certainly I felt that I, I'm not, I'm not in a rush, even though I'm, I might be going to work, I'm still not rushing there. I'm, I'm not worried about getting past other cars, you know, whereas you see so many people just, and their life is just a rush. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're probably going to react to stuff and, and not have that space that you say to, to pause and, and be able to, realize that they have a choice yeah um so so that's yeah it's definitely helped with that now we went back into time if we're now mm. going to go into the future and we're going to add 10 years of derek 
So <laughs> who is who is Derek within 10 years? He's he's then traveling the world teaching. He has like a flow academy and he's like the Stephen Covey of, of flow. <laughs> I I'm not yeah, I don't know. I think I genuinely think that I want I want to use what I've gained, the knowledge I've gained and, and what I'm doing to really to share those experiences. I know it's, it does sound a little bit cheesy. You want to share things with other people, but I've, no, it's not. I, I, it's not. I've come to realize that that sharing something like this is good for people's mental health. And, and there's so many people out there that need, you know, to have things that help their mental health, especially with the current climate that we've got. So so I think that is what I, I want to do, whether that whether that's done through skiing, which because that's something that really gives people pleasure or whether it's done through running online workshops as I'm doing now about flow or whether it's done through you know writing books. You know, it can be done through lots of different ways. Of course, I'm also thinking about you have to keep making a living, you know, and, and you want to be comfortable and, and, and that side of it. And, and there's obviously concerns at the moment with the lack of uh, being able to to do my main job of teaching skiing. With, mm -hmm. So uh, I certainly hope in 10 years time we'll be managed to uh, get rid of viruses and uh, be able to, you know, get out there and, and do what we have been doing. But I guess I, I went on the, the master's course originally so that I had other things in my life and I wasn't relying just on teaching skiing because it's quite physically demanding and I'm not getting younger um, so I would like to be able to in 10 years time just to teach part-time rather than rely on it as a full-time job mm. um, so probably more of a mixture of, of doing that I'm not going to give that up but it, you know whether it's sharing flow and and all of the positive psychology stuff with people I think that would be a, a just mix it in um so yeah definitely definitely try and share it with others i see you presenting with these beautiful pictures of yourself skiing from an, a mountaintop with this action <laughs> pictures no but that's that works eh? these kind of pictures i mean yeah. it's it's i mean people can relate to that i mean yeah of course I mean, yeah talking uh, very theoretically is one thing but theory doesn't change people Pictures no. does touching their emotions yeah. that that changes people their behavior at least that would spark them. Yeah, you've got to you've got to give them a, a you know a story there and and as you say paint paint pictures and yeah so if you if you have that in your own life and you have a some some excitement in your life that you can share with others for sure you know uh, and that there there's plenty of beautiful places i've been to and you know and skiing in many different parts of the world so it's um yeah you, it's it's nice yeah. to be able to share those stories and with all due respect of people who are getting into flow of doing the dishes i mean seeing somebody skiing and getting into flow is a little bit more sexier i mean oh, of course yeah yeah i mean that and that's why some of the kind of more thrill-seeking sports obviously attract people um you know and, and but but it is important to point out to people that it, it doesn't have to be that yes. you don't have to involve yourself in danger to experience flow. <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. can do it in, uh, in uh, work as well. And I mean, 
you said you want to share? Because did you already receive from people who have read your book? Like, because I've had that with the podcast and I'm sure it will happen also with our conversations that people are getting curious and even take action. Do you have already uh, people who said, aha, Derek, I've, I've woken up. Um, I'm going to search for my purpose or some kind of people who have given you feedback like, whoa, this really completely changed my life. Because honestly, the reason why Inge, because I'm very thankful for Inge who uh, yeah. introduced me to you. Um, the, the book for me started like uh, eight years ago about flow. So when she, she came to me with, ah, oh, Derek, he's about flow. I was like, ooh, ooh, mm -hmm. ooh. So for me, that, that concept alone completely changed my life. I've changed everything, job, position, everything, everything, everything. So for me, it's all about that flow state. Yeah, no, I've definitely had feedback from people and probably more from the online courses I've run. So I started running the flow workshops um, online in September. And initially, a lot of the people coming in the courses were, were ski instructors because they can do the courses for, for CPD purposes for to maintain their qualifications. Um, so that, that was great, but I got a lot of really great feedback from people saying how much they'd enjoyed those courses. And while initially they come on the course just because they needed to do something to maintain their qualifications, they, they really enjoyed it and had made a change in their life. So, so I've probably had more feedback from the courses so far, um, but I've had some, some nice feedback about the book and, as well. And, and, and isn't that, okay, I understand the financial part, you have to make a living, I understand mm. it, but isn't that the fuel that you need to... Oh, for sure, yeah. Is that, is that, isn't that really about, wow, I give something, but I don't want to get something bad, but when you then receive such a feedback... Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's lovely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just, yeah, I mean, there, there was somebody else put on their social media, they, they've been doing a review of their year, and one of the things they added in was that they had made their year so much better was finding out about flow. And that was somebody who'd work, worked with me as well, you know, who I'd, who I'd introduced to flow through one of the workshops. Um, you know, so that, that's, it is really nice when you get that, that people have valued that. Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going to add the links of the, of the, of the online course, uh, of course, in the comments and on and social media channels. When you're not a skier, what can you get out of the online course? When you're not, well, I mean, it, it like just, me, like me, I'm not a skier. If yeah. I would, would, would join the course, how does it look like? Is it like five weeks? Uh, how, how uh, the, the, the course is, it's each, I've got three different um, workshops. The first one is an introduction to flow. Mm -hmm. um, the second one looks, looks more deeply into the flow experience and looks at the whole area of, of developing the skill of attention. And then the, the third one sees how flow sits within the bigger picture of our life um, and brings in more of the different aspects of positive psychology. Um, so that it brings in sort of meaning and purpose into it and hope um, and just sees how flow can be part of that bigger picture. So it's, it's really looking more at mental health. Um, so, so one workshop naturally follows on to the next. Each, each workshop is is five and a half hours duration okay. with three of those hours being a, a zoom online session um, but what i found is the zoom sessions are, are great because 
you know, typically I've had about six to eight people on the workshops and they're just incredibly interactive and people are prepared to share their experiences from whatever area of life they are, they're from, whether it's a different sport or whether it's just their, their work. Um, so the conversations have, have been very varied on the workshops and, and not just about, about sports or, or skiing. Um, you know. And, uh, and um, is it, are, are the participants at this moment, is there a kind of pattern? Is it like they're more male above 40 or is it a combination of everything, people from men 20 to, to women in their 60s, uh, something? Yeah, it's been very mixed, actually. Yeah, very mixed. And, and I've had people from different parts of the world. I mean, that's the great thing about Zoom is people can join from, from you know, and that, that's maybe different to how we've worked in the past where in face-to-face -face sessions, you can really only get people who are prepared to travel to, to wherever you're running a course. But, you know, over, over Zoom, people can come from wherever. So yeah, I've had people from New Zealand and America and you know, different parts of Europe and the UK, Ooh. obviously. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting running those courses and, uh, and yeah, people get a, a lot from them. And, and the book obviously supports that. Of course. Um, you know, it's, it's, the book has driven a lot of the content for the, for the courses. Um, so, so that's, it's just a way, I suppose, of enacting what's in, what's in the book. And bringing it to life yeah but I, I can imagine if you're not familiar with a with a with a subject that the online course is a, a more easier step up to yeah to get introduced and then read the book yeah and in, in, i think that that certainly works well um i suppose it depends you know the the book is it certainly takes you through a whole process of, yeah, yeah. you know between, you know, looking at learning and, and the whole area of learning and how we develop our interests and, but, but yeah, there's a lot in the book as well. You know, you could, I, I would say the book would almost hopefully prompt people to go and read other books because there's, there's massive amount of references and, and yeah, in that book for, for, for everywhere else you can go to find out more. Um, so it can certainly steer you towards if you're particularly interested in certain areas. Um, but there, there's lots of great, great, authors out there and, and researchers that you can follow up on. Is it, by the way, a very closing, I have two closing questions. This is the almost last one. Okay. Don't you miss uh, the Guinness beer in Dublin? <laughs> I do sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was funny because I... Because you're now drinking wine, I assume. Uh, yeah, yeah, in France, yeah, wine is, is, is good. But it, the year just passed is the first year I've not been in the UK or Ireland for the entire year, for the first time ever, uh, you know, due to the, the situation. Um, and I've still got family in Ireland, so it, it's been quite tough to, to not, not get back there at all. And do you feel now a Frenchman or an Irishman? Oh, I'm still, still Irish, okay. <laughs> I'd say. But um, no, I, lo I love living here in France it's a it's a great place and it's obviously great where I live being in being in the Alps um you know so it's it's a great part of the world you know it's it's quite a you know one of the things I love about being in this area is we're on the Italian and Swiss border as well so it's 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 wonderful to be able to travel around so easily to those different cultures and you know I've kind of missed that you know not just being able to go through the tunnel to Italy and to 
grow my yarn and enjoy Italian coffee or yeah, yeah get across to Switzerland and you know it, yeah, it's a it's a great great part of the world to be. But I promise you, Derek, if the borders are again oh like borders, if we can travel again more open and freely, um, we will come. And when my uh, uh, toddler son is ready, we will come and uh, take some lessons from you. And I will yeah, bring you great. the greatest beer in the world, the Belgian ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that would be great. Is, is, is there something that we did not discuss, Derek, that you want to touch upon? Well, I don't think so. I think we you know, didn't exactly know where we were going to go. So it's, it's, it's good. slow, eh? Yeah, we've talked about lots of lots of stuff that's that's in the book and and the, you know the workshop. So yeah, no, it's been really fun, really good, good to speak to you as well and learn about what what make you you know what things are flow for you. Yeah, this is you, this you, is for me flow. This is really this is my thing. This 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 something that mm. I, I stumbled upon by accident. This is what I love to do. Yeah, and you of can course, see you enjoy it <laughs> yeah 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 but of course i've i've read your book but it's that curiosity and it's uh you you say something because i have to listen deep to you i cannot i talk i think about oh, my next question no no you're yeah. saying something and then i'm saying okay but i know it's 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 going to be okay so it's uh that's for me that's for me pure flow because i cannot perform yeah i can perform digitally i did a gig uh two weeks ago for five minutes uh, in, in a theater recording, but it's, it's, yeah, that's not, it's performing, but it's not the same, of course, uh, because there's no audience. So it's, this... just, it's just the same when we're teaching people to ski, you have to listen to them and go with where the lesson goes. If you, if you try and teach up to a plan, it'll be the wrong lesson. Yeah, that's correct. You always, you always have to go where, where the, where the person needs to go. <laughs> Where they want to go yeah um, that's true you, you can only do that through listening to them and and you know not just the verbally but you know all all, all listening <laughs> yeah and this is also something that i experience is that um <clears throat> although it's not physically and i know when you're physically meeting it would be even an even more different uh experience having this conversation but also from a more Zoom, remote, virtually a session, there is still a possibility to, to experience a flow experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think and I found doing the online sessions, it's quite it's quite an intense experience. You know, because when you are face-to-face, -face, sometimes you can, you know, especially with a group, you can kind of you know almost switch off if you need to or take a break but I think in the online environment it's different you're very very focused the whole time which is good and bad you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah it is it's different and something I think we've all had to learn learn about over the last year yes indeed Derek thanks a lot and I Thank feel you. I, I feel a second one coming up when your new book uh, is going to be. Uh, yeah, that, that would uh, be great. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So thanks a lot. Also, Inge, thanks a lot for, for the introduction. Yeah, yeah. Just hang, thank you. Yeah. Hang on a little bit. And uh, I wish you all the best with the courses and, uh, and the books and fulfilling your purpose. And uh, speak to you next time. Have a great day, Derek. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>